Okay, good evening. I'm broadcasting live, September 29, 2015. Tonight's topic is annihilationism or nihilism. I think it, we actually translate it sometimes as nihilism. So Robin, would you read the quote for us, please? Yes. In what way could one say the monk Gotama is an annihilationist. He teaches the doctrine of annihilation and he's speaking correctly. I teach the annihilation of greed, hatred, and delusion. I proclaim the annihilation of evil unskilled states. It is in this way that one could say the monk Gotama is an annihilationist. He teaches the doctrine of annihilation and he's speaking correctly. Uchedawada one who teaches or who has the who speaks of cutting off ucheda cheda means cutting u means i guess off sort of ucheda diti is a view in buddhism of nihilism but not exactly nihilism, annihilationism. I don't actually know what nihilism is. Maybe nihilism. Anyway, annihilationism is more, more precise, I think. Annihilationism means we exist, but we exist only until death. And at death we're cut off, life is cut off, and that's it. So... This says it comes from the Anguttara Nikaya, but I believe the same passage or something very similar to it is found in one of the suttas. Which one? My memory is going. Anyway. There's a sutta where this Brahmin comes to the Buddha and... Ah, oh, that's right. It's in the introduction to the Vinaya. Let's see here. Vairanjakanda. Tena samayena buddho bhagava vairanjayang viharati. We chant this actually, this very beginning. We chant the beginning of the, the Vinaya, the beginning of the Diganikaya, which is the sutta and the beginning of the Abhidhamma. And it's our way of chanting the whole Tipitaka. It's just a little bit. They do in Thailand. So this first paragraph of the Vinaya, Dena Samaye Namuddho Bhagava Veranjayang Viharatinale Rupuchi Mandamule is dwelling at the bank, no, dwelling under the, at the root of the Nale Rupuchi tree, I think, with a great Sangha. And then the Brahman, the Brahmin Vairanja came to see the Buddha because he heard Samano Kalubho Gotamo Sakya Putto Sakya Kula Pabbajito Vairanjayang Viharati The, the Samana Gotama who is a Sakya Putta, son of the Sakyans, the Sakyan family, has gone forth and is dwelling in Vairanja at the foot of the Nalei tree. Or maybe it's the Nalei Rupuchi Manda tree. 
with a great number of 500 monks. And about this blessed teacher, a kitisada, a fame or a good reputation has been spread. Kalyano kitisado abugato has been spread. Intibiso Bhagava, indeed, he is a blessed one, arahang worthy, Sama Sambuddho, a fully self-enlightened Buddha. Vinja Charana Sampanno, endowed with conduct, knowledge and conduct. Sugato, well gone. Loka Vidu, a knower of worlds. Anuttaro is unexcelled or unsurpassed. Purisadamma Sarati, the trainer of people who are trainable. He's able to tame those who can be tamed. Satta Deva Manusanang, a teacher of angels and men, or angels and humans. Sorry. Buddha, he is awake or enlightened. Bhagava, blessed or fortunate. So imang lo kang sa deva kang sa mara kang sa brahma kang sa samana brahmaning pajang sa deva manusang sorry this is a long he's just talking about he teaches in this world with its angels and men and maras and so on sayang abhinasa chikatwa pavidhi he makes clear having realized for him realized the truth for himself realized higher knowledge for himself he teaches the dhamma Adikalyanang Majjikalyanang Pariyosana Kalyanang. Sorry, I'm getting in deep detail with the sutta and not getting to the quote, but this is a common uh, repeated phrase that people have heard about the Buddha. He teaches the Dhamma that is good in its beginning, good in the middle, and good in its consummation, together with its meaning and the letter and the, the meaning and the letter. Kevala paripunang, perfect in all ways, parisuddhang, pure. He teaches the pure holy life that is pure and complete in all ways. Sadhu ko rupanang, arahatang dasanang hoti. Sadhu means good, good indeed, and, and indeed it is good to see dasanang, the seeing of such of an, an arahat, a, a holy one who is like this is good the seeing of such a one is good and so he went to the Buddha and he accuses the Buddha he, he says, so I've heard that you don't pay respect to, to old Brahmins when old Brahmins come to see you or when you go to see them, you don't stand up and salute them. You don't pay, give them this respect of holding your hands up. You don't treat them as your superiors, even though they're old and advanced and so on. Is that true? What do you think the Buddha said? The Buddha said, Nahang Brahmana Pasami. I don't see Brahmana in this world yada 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 someone who I should pay respect someone who should I should stand up for someone who I should 
give the higher seat to. Not a very uh, compliant thing to say, or a, it's a bold thing to say. I don't see anyone that I should pay respect to. You know, if anyone else said that, we wouldn't get away with it. In fact, he doesn't get away with it. Because the Brahman doesn't realize that this is a fully enlightened Buddha, and you, know, you can't be higher than a Buddha. And he says, Yanhi Brahmana Tathagato Abhiwade. If someone were to, if the Tathagata, a Buddha, were to uh, bow down to or stand up for or give a higher seat to anyone, that person's head would split. That person's head would explode, basically. And so then he starts accusing the Buddha of some things. They're, they're proposed as questions here. I think there's a bit of uncertainty as to whether they are questions or ask, uh, accusations. I suppose they're questions because it sounds like this guy wasn't hostile towards the Buddha. But he asks, are you tasteless? Arasarupo. I think it means tasteless. Anyway, there's meaning to it. I'm not going to go into detail. Nibogo, are you one who is useless? Are you useless? Deserted. And the Buddha uses plays on, a play on words for each one of these. Niboga. Yeah, I don't want to go into it. If you want to read the Vinaya, read the Vinaya. But he gets, because it's just, I'd have to read the English. I don't have, oh, I do have, the, no, I don't. I have the English elsewhere. I don't want to get too much into it. But at some point he says, Uchedavado bhavang gotamo. And this is, then it repeats what we have in the, the Anguttara. So he asks, Are you, do you teach the annihilation? Do you teach annihilationism? And the Buddha says, Well, there is something that you should annihilate in Buddhism. So he sidesteps the question. He's a play on words or it's... Um, he gives another meaning to it. And that is that we call for the annihilation of greed, anger, and delusion. The whole section is worth um, reading. Akiryavada, do you teach the non... Do you teach inaction? Because there were people who taught at the time that the way to become enlightened is to not do anything, to stop doing anything. Don't eat, don't walk, lie down and die. That's the best way. The giants taught this sort of thing, Akiryavada. Or no, maybe Akiryavada is, anyway, they're different. Akirya could mean there's no karma, there's no um, result of karma. I'm not sure. But there's there were different views. And the Buddha says, well, I teach the non-doing of any evil. Don't do any bodily misdeeds, don't do any verbal misdeeds. Don't do any mental misdeeds. That's the kind of non-action that I teach. But, so, the Buddha doesn't teach the annihilation at the moment of death. On the other hand, it's... Um, it's an easy one to misunderstand because he doesn't teach the existence of a self to become annihilated. So 
anyway, it gets into complicated, complicated explanations. But really, that's it. I mean, Buddhism is very practical. It's all about doing good deeds, not doing evil deeds. It's what you hear in other religions, but other religions have so much baggage. Looking at you, Christianity. Christianity has a lot of good teachings, you know, powerful love, kindness, goodness. But there's so much baggage, even from just Jesus himself. It's not like it came later. You have to believe in God, and you have to praise God, and you have to, I don't know. Then you have all the rules, like, I posted a quote recently um, where Jesus said, let, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. They're going to stone this woman. And Jesus says, you know, basically, before you accuse her, take a look at yourself. And someone else pointed out that in another part of the Bible, it's all accusatory about, you know, homosexuals don't go to heaven, and yeah, and so on. Uh, so yeah, I mean, absolutely, I'm not a, a, a Christian apologist, but Buddhism has all those good things, and it, in the end, it comes down to just goodness. Even meditation is just considered the highest, purest form of goodness. Like giving gifts can have can be done with impure thoughts. Keeping morality can still be done impurely with ego and so on. Even certain types of meditation can be performed with ego. But insight meditation, mindfulness, can't can't be accompanied by ego. Can't be accompanied by unwholesomeness. So it's the greatest, purest goodness. So uh, greed, anger, and delusion Those are the three things that lead to badness So when we get rid of them We have no more badness Only goodness Do you have any questions today? We do Did you want me to go back to the earlier ones? or? I don't know Are there any good ones? Let's see. This is a long one. I have a theoretical question about transcending, for lack of a better word, the samsara. If one has given up desire and is, bas and is basically has no reproductive value as an organism, making it kind of pointless to rebirth because the same thing will happen in the next life, ultimate suicide as I see it, how do we know that what will happen? How do we know what will happen to such consciousness? What information do we have on the subject? And are there any flaws? Sorry, it moved. I see what you mean when it moves down to the bottom. Yeah, it just flies off the screen. And are there any flaws in my thinking of the path in context of what I said? I mean, um, I can parse it down to a Buddhist question and answer that. So 
part where you say if one has given up desire. So if someone has no more desire, well, if someone has no more desire, then yes, they are they are an arahat, and they will just not be reborn because the causes for consciousness are limited. Consciousness can be caused by physical causes. It can be caused by functional mental causes, and it can be caused by wholesome and unwholesome mental causes, which are karmic. It can be caused by karma. So functionally, I believe consciousness can create consciousness, but that functionality, I think, is still dependent on the... No, not really, but it's, it's limited. At the moment of death, the only process that is able to continue because the physical... Um, physical body uh, breaks down has and, and loses its ability to create consciousness um, the only thing, the only power that can continue to create consciousness is wholesome and unwholesome intentions now an arahant doesn't have either they don't have any intention for future becoming which is which requires desire so they have no desires they have no hopes they have no wants and because of that there is the, the there is the ending of the succession of of experiences so that just happens naturally what's the difference between vitaka applied thought and uikara sustained thought if attention is always applied for one moment at a time what is sustained thank you Martha. Sustained means the same object. Sustained on the same object. So Vitaka is... Hmm. Yeah, I don't really know. I don't, that's a good question because... You can't say one of them is sustained. It's not true. But it's something like the vitaka is, is the going to the object. It's like um, starting from zero again. So the flavor of the consciousness would be, you'd have to, re there's a repeated um, mind that adverts to the consciousness. I think it's, what you really should do is look at the, the Abhidhamma mind states for like the first jhana and see exactly what's going on there because the, the, the sutta description I think is I'm not sure if it's conventional or not Vitaka and Vichara but there's something, there's a sense that Vitaka is still moving Vitaka is still not fixed on the object so the quality of consciousness will be um, less uh, less fixed or certain I don't know I don't I don't you know it's not something we that's not something we deal with that much in this tradition but I wouldn't worry too much about it because in the sutta, especially, the Buddha puts them together, vitaka and vijara, and, and they disappear together in the suttas. 
So you consider that like the thinking about the object. When you enter the second jhana, that, that discursive thought or that, that thinking about the object disappears. When I finish meditating, I find I'm more calm for a while, about twice as long as I meditate, and slowly will lose that calm the longer I'm not as mindful. This effect I'm feeling is, is it cumulative based on how long I meditate? Thank you, Bhante. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to encourage the attachment to such calm states, but it's not really, what you should have is an overall general sense of greater calm in your life and greater stability. Of course, that too will fade. Um, that may be what you're referring to, but I think it would last longer than that. It's more general, you know, you, you, you cultivate the habit of being able to deal with things, which too, which will fade, it's true. If you don't practice meditation every day, it'll be worse the next day, it'll be less powerful the next day. But if you have a real sense of calm, it may just be incidental or having to do with your strong state of concentration, which you have to be careful with because it can lead to liking of it. And if you like it, then you want it and you, you aspire towards it. And then when you don't get it, you're dissatisfied and so on. Bhante, I was thinking about your early exposure to Buddhist life that you were talking about yesterday. Was there a certain event or realization that elicited your devotion to the Dharma, or was it more gradual? I'm not allowed to talk about my realizations, sorry. I mean, if any potential realizations, should I have them? I could talk, talk, we're allowed to talk about it amongst monks together. And we do. So there was one monk who used to come up and say, How many minutes have you had cessation? <laughs> and what did he say about it? He got like 12 hours or something like that. So monks do talk about it. Not much. Are they competitive? Sorry? Are they competitive? Oh, he's just, he was a wonderful monk. I really liked him, but he was a little bit wacky big you know fat guy big guy and uh, sorry fat is is actually not an insult in thailand not not as much as it is in the west so i don't know how whether it's rude to say he was fat but he was big um but really not so fat actually just big and he could walk like 30 kilometers or something we were, he was the he was the monk I, I walked at night with for hours before my teacher said that's just exercise he said exercise bip falang it's a western way exercise it's not walking meditation so yeah he was just he made a lot of interesting people in the Thai monastic in the Thai sangha. When feelings such as pain or itching arise, is it better to note them with more 
specific labels like pain and itching or more general labels like feeling? I would prefer pain and itching. Feeling is more for when you're not sure. You just you just get a feeling out of it. You don't have any word, specific word for it. But if you have a specific word, you're better off saying pain or itching. One thing lately when I meditate, I notice thoughts that seem to arise in my mind without any cause. Their appearance seems to be so random and inexplicable that I cannot discern what causes them to arise in my mind. Does this observation represent anything about my meditation practice? For example, maybe I'm just not mindful enough to see the cause of these thoughts arising. We're not worried about the cause. We're just worried about the nature. Cause and effect is only an early knowledge. It's not really important in the long run. Eventually, karma doesn't become important at all. What becomes important is, is the nature of things. See, the whole idea of the Four Noble Truths is that we cling to things uh, thinking that they are pleasant, thinking that they are going to satisfy us. Once we realize that they aren't going to satisfy us, because, as you can see, they arise and cease, and they arise and cease constantly, Therefore, you you let go of them. You stop craving for them. So don't worry about it. The fact that you're seeing these thoughts, what, that, what that's showing you is impermanence and non-self. You could say it's also showing, showing you suffering, but mainly there you're seeing impermanence and that things are arising and ceasing. And you're seeing non-self and that you didn't cause those thoughts to arise. So it's actually a great thing to see. And the more you see that, the more the less clinging you're going to have. It's a sign that you've got fairly good concentration to be able to see that. This is kind of a silly question, but what mantra should one use when the feeling of bloating arises? Rising, bloating? Robin, your sound is getting strange. Oh. You have a no, I, I think that's actually out on the road. I think uh -huh. there's a there's some big vehicle going by. Okay, because you your sound me? your sound is a little distorted as well. It's not as clear, or it, this is a different headset, right? Yeah. Well, the same one that I had last night. The oh, other oh. one wasn't working. Okay. It's not giving the hissing, so that's good. A different problem. <laughs> Sorry, what was the question? Uh, bloating, right? If you feel bloated, you can say feeling, feeling, or bloated, bloated. Feeling works fine there, because otherwise it gets a little awkward. Do you actually feel something called bloated, or do you just have a feeling that you know is caused by bloated, bloating? Feeling is fine there. Are all enlightenments the same? In other words, if it is attained, attained through Zen or Tibetan Buddhism, are they different? Curtis, I'm going to click on your profile. And yes, you've never meditated with us. So I'm going to ask you to read my booklet on how to meditate and uh, take some time to meditate in this. You know, you don't have to, but that this community is a meditation community in our tradition. Your question isn't bad. I just, it, it made me think, ah, this is probably someone who's 
not meditating with us? And it's actually not a bad question. Um, so the answer, it's just a hard to answer, no? It depends who you ask. Each tradition is going to have its own idea of enlightenment. In fact, each tradition in, in every type of Buddhism is going to have its own way of dealing with enlightenment, understanding enlightenment. Sometimes they are similar, sometimes they are the same, sometimes they are drastically different. Sometimes some traditions feel it's selfish to become enlightened and they want to stay unenlightened. Or they say, anyway, they go different ideas. Just a question that came in yesterday, just as we were signing off. Um, someone was asking if you um, would be interested in a donation of books written by the Dalai Lama or if that would not be appropriate for the monastery. Not really interested. Okay. I don't know. No, not really. We don't have that much room for books, so... Either it's related to our tradition or we don't need it. Bhante, should I practice walking, then sitting meditation as you teach in your booklet for, for some allotted time before I go into the chapter on fundamentals or mindful prostration? Seth, you have to do Robin a favor and put the question in, the question mark in front of your message. So before you type in the message, click that green question mark puts a Q colon space in front of your thing and then Robin can easily see that it's a question. Um, though you can read the whole book. I, I would read at least the first four chapters, right? The fourth chapter is on my on uh, fundamentals. Yes, I think that's what he's asking after the, should he go on? Oh, okay. So you should read. It's true, actually. If you read the first three chapters and then practice them for some time, it'll make more sense because the fundamentals doesn't really make that much sense until you actually try it. That's a, that is a good point. Yeah, that makes sense. Practice the first three for a while. But it doesn't have to be that long because the fourth chapter is quite important. Um, and then the the last chapter, the sixth chapter, you have to learn that one. In fact, you know, read it all through. I would recommend reading the whole book through, then start to practice, you know, if you have time. If not, you can do them, read one chapter, practice, read another chapter, practice, but read it all as soon as you have the time to do so. It's not that long. Then practice, and then go back to the fourth chapter. You know, it's the one, the fourth, and I guess the sixth as well, because they're the ones that you have to remember things from, concepts. The first chapter, I suppose, as well, because it's the one that's got the four satipatthana in it, the four foundations of mindfulness. It's not enough a book. Is that a criticism of it, or does that just mean it's not enough to call it a book? I don't think he's critical. Do you think it should be longer? No. No, it's, it's good enough. No, yeah. we have a sec second volume coming out sometime in the uncertain future. Yeah.
which I don't Sometimes have. It's easy to just read about meditation and never get around to meditation. So a nice booklet is just mm -hmm. the right size. Yeah, you give people very little and push them and say, I'm not telling you anymore until you meditate. Right. <laughs> You don't want one of these thick books on Satipatthana. You're thinking, what am I going to read that for? The Heart of Buddhist Meditation is like this thick. I mean, it's a good book, but Mahasi Sayadaw's books on meditation are very thin. and that You can't read them through because you get a little ways and you think, okay, I better go meditate. That's, the, that's a book. When you read a book and you can't finish it because you feel guilty because you're not <laughs> meditating. That's what's great about Mahasi Sayadaw's books. I can never read them through. Darwin, I'm not sure if it's a if it's a question or a comment. I'm not sure if I'm right, but any Vedana that arises is just Vedana? Vedana? Not sure if that's a comment or a question. If it is a question, maybe you can just type it in again. I'll just go on. In life, is the, in life there is the seeing, then the wanting. Is suffering the only reason not to pursue? I'm sorry. Maybe my mind is blown, is fried, but I can't. Uh, can't figure is, that one out. Is suffering the only reason not to pursue what you want or want to? Yes, suffering is the reason not to pursue. It's not worth wanting. So we've got these neat little hands on the right-hand side. You can click if you like people's comments or questions. Don't see many people doing it. Might have to make it a little bit different, look a little different. I don't think it was a criticism of the book, just encouraging somebody to read it because it doesn't take any longer to read than a typical podcast. Yeah, Geo, is that George? G-O-R? George, don't send them to that link. Send people to htm.sirimangalo.org. It's a it's a hot link to a whole list of to a page. It should work, right? HTM. Are you typing it, Robin? Yeah, there we go. Well, you need to put the HTTP before it. Yeah, otherwise, it won't come up as a link. So how many languages is the book trans, uh, transcribed into now? Which reminds me, someone just did a Swedish translation that I have to put up. Nice. Forgot about it. Where is that? I think that's on Facebook or something. 
So yeah, a big announcement that I should have told everyone weeks ago, or a week at least. We have a Swedish translation, so there you go. Yay. Are there other languages that you're looking that you're looking for, or that well, are if, you to, if you go to that link that you just posted, Robin, you'll see uh, translations in progress. Oh, okay. Um, and you know, progress is a bit loose used a bit loosely there. I'm not sure how many of them are actually progressing. Okay. So and, uh, the Hindi one, one, the Hindi one is supposed to be done, but I don't know what happened to that. So if by chance someone was able to translate into Croatian, Czech, Finnish, Persian, Polish, or Thai. Well, they might want to get in touch with me because we have at least partial translations of some of those. So don't do it. If you have a language that's not on either of the lists, you know, that is something that uh, is definitely of interest. You know, adding languages to the list. But ones that are already underway... You should get in touch with us first because it might already be underway. Okay, Bhante, I hope it I hope it's okay that I made a video of how to meditate reading from your booklet for those who have trouble reading. I went into the Kaya, Vedana, Chitta, and Dhammas a bit more explaining what they mean for my own sake for remembering. I hope it's okay. I'll make sure to add link to the book as well. You made a, a book, not an audio, a, a book, right? Or an audio book? I think, I think an audio book. A video. Oh, a video, I'm sorry. Hmm. The hands together on the right are showing a maximum of one. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah, that's fine. Sure, make videos. Absolutely. It's in the public domain, so do what you want with it. Apparently, I said that about the Chakupala. You know the Chakupala workbook? Apparently, someone's selling it on Amazon. <laughs> really? Apparently. It's got to be bad karma. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so maybe those hand things on the right aren't working properly. I don't know. Well, we can get one on there. Mm. 15 languages. The book is... Anyway, um, I think I'm going to figure out how to put the Swedish translation up and why the hand things aren't working, but... First, I'm going to say goodnight. Thank you, Bante. Thank you, Robin. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I'll see you all tomorrow.